from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Adam Candy's alongside Cofield. Silver 7, you heard it. Angel, Ari, in the house. A couple of quick mentions. One, we got to build on what Xavier Pope was just saying there about Suns and Four Guy. That's coming up in just a couple minutes. More on the Knights and one of the real mysteries before the game, and it certainly showed during the game. Late injury notification. Very weird. Uh, ratings are in, Candy. Oh, boy. I cannot reiterate this enough. You know, it's funny. Over the last couple of years, you get the same jabronis on Twitter when you mention ESPN, and they're like, people still watch that? Yeah, they do, jackass. And the NHL is finding out about ESPN's might more than ever now. My God, the ratings last night. Clippers, Jazz, Hawks, Sixers, both did over 3.8 million. Each one of those games, 3.8 million viewers. The Olympic trials on NBC got 2.8 million. Italy, Switzerland, I assume that's soccer. Candy, 961,000. The Knights and the Canadians, 1 million. Hockey almost lost to freaking international soccer and got tripled or more by the freaking Olympic trials and NBA. God, they can't get away from NBC Sportsnet quick enough. Well, Cofield, think about it this way, though. So this is a Wednesday night, and there's probably some other competing programming, even though we're talking about summertime, so it's not like first-run network sorts of things. But things will get better on Friday, right? Things will get better for the Golden Knights on Friday (laughs) when the game is on USA Network. Oh, no. USA Network? God. Are you kidding me? NBC. So what am I going to do? Watch Monk first? Yes. Yes. Is Monk the lead in? And I like Monk. Oh, my God. Boy, NBC is just dragging its feet, just half-assing it down the stretch here. What a nightmare. NBA News, it's in. Rick Carlisle, gone. He didn't get fired. He walked away yesterday. Donnie Nelson, who'd been with the organization, what, like 24 years? He walked away. Very fractured situation in Mavs land. All right, let's do it. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. You know, Candy, I live at bars, so anytime I'm at a bar and I see the jukebox, it's time for the Cofield mix, right, DJC. And it's usually a pretty eclectic mix. I try to go back and forth, a little shock and awe. I will always try to throw in a little Rick Ross, and now I know why. I had <laughs> Angel just nods at me like, you old jackass. I had no idea what hustling really meant for Rick Ross. This is a great story from Ari. Apparently, Rick Ross is pretty good with his money. Now, that's not the, the amazing part, but some of the reasons he's good with money is that he cuts his own grass, he flies commercial. This is dynamite. Frugality is my cup of tea. 
I love it. Big Rick behind a lawnmower. Actually, my guess is he's probably got a sweet riding lawnmower. Cofield, I need to know, though. I mean, you, you open the door here, so i got to go all the way in. Uh, which Rick Ross track are you putting on? Wait, what just happened? I just Didn't I just say it? Every day I'm hustling? I don't know. What the hell's the name of the song? Hustling? No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> I don't know. I just, I see Rick Ross. I look. I'm like, yep, I like that. Okay. But I pretty much like everything he has. Do you? Uh, I have no idea. Big in the catalog, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, you know, he, he doesn't have all that money left after spending it on the Aston Martin. So he's got to save somewhere, right? Yeah. We all have to scrimp and save in some place. You, you rob Peter to pay Paul. You pay for your Aston Martin. You cut your own grass. Right? Isn't that how it works? Sure. You threw me off with your scrimp. Scrimp. I was save. like, is that the proper use of it? Scrimp and save. Oh. I thought you, you were don't, talking You don't about... scrimp and spend. Okay. That's not how it works. I think you're talking. We always talk about bowl executives, the fat pigs who go around looking at all the games and how they would stuff scrimp in their pockets. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, that's, that's Jimmy, obvious. Jimmy but, scrimp. Oh, speaking of, by the way, are, are, you, are you looking forward to Jimmy Kimmel? Uh, shoving some scrimp in his pocket, sure. uh, taking it away from the Mountain West. Yes, I will. I I now know that uh, at whatever remote game I'm at, that I may not have a seat in the press box to take a break at the half, as Jimmy Kimmel is uh, watching out the road at Colorado State. He's in Reno for a big game. Mm-hmm. He wants to keep track of his investment. Uh, I, mean, my, I mean, you know, much like Rick Ross, he cares about his money. Yeah, my. Uh, my guess is one of the cast members will be doing the scouting. I don't think Jimmy will be on the road. Really? That number one team in the Mountain West Conference. I don't know. Hey, come here. He can, yeah, anytime UNLV is playing conference game, he can come here. Enjoy Raider Stadium. There you go. So, Xavier Pope and I were just speaking about Suns and Four Guy. Is this a guy we should be glorifying? No. Of course not. What do you not. mean, No. It was, what are you it was, talking about? It was, a, it was amazing social justice. You have, a, you have another jackass fan who tries to throw a look-away punch and then gets annihilated, not only annihilated, but clowned while getting beaten. I love how the things that used to just happen, like this is just life, <laughs> it just happened. Some dude got wrecked for throwing a sucker punch at someone. Yep. You should just be like a story you told your friends later. Now it's like Devin Booker finds the guy yep, yep. and is giving him tickets. <laughs> now it's a thing, right? Now it's a deal. I love it. Well, I mean, I don't like seeing fights in the stands. It sucks, you know, if you're there, you don't. Because that, that stuff could spill over to you. But that's one of those examples, man. Be careful who you mess with. And uh, although I'm guessing this guy is about two more days before we find out that he's been arrested like seven times and, you know, stab someone in the past. So he certainly looked like he'd been in fights before. You know, somehow I think the heckling part probably goes right along with it. What do you mean? I don't – if you're the type of person who goes to a sporting event, if you were a fan at a sporting event who is going to, let's say, engage in some good-natured back and forth, it can always turn quickly, Right. Yep. It's not always good-natured, especially depending on how many beers in you are. And I think they had a few beers in. Certainly the guy who got freaking grabbed by his jersey and then dealt with like he was uh, some inexperienced MMA fighter or uh, on the rink. He didn't pull the jersey over his head, but, man, he had control of him. And then the great part was he's he's giving him the, the bidness, giving him the uppercuts. He takes a break for a second, and then 
while he's controlling the one guy, he takes his right hand and tries to swing at the other guy. He's like, I'll get you both at the same time, and you're not going to do anything. And then the fight ends, of course, and uh, the guy who got obliterated just runs away holding his face. Rough night. And see, it's perfect that it's Devin Booker who wanted to get a piece of that, too, because who was the first one to get up in Nikola Jokic's face after he took the swipe of campaign? It's Devin Booker. Tough guy, Devin Booker. Tough guy, Devin Booker. Not Car- not Kardashian-Jenner, Devin Booker. Tough guy, Devin Booker. Candy was ready to pull up someone's jersey and punch them in the face repeatedly when he saw the, the news with no further information. Late news yesterday before the Golden Knights game on Chandler Stevenson. And I guess because we just accept it, we're supposed to accept it. I don't know what happened and why he wasn't out there because it certainly had an effect on the team. This is one of those weird things. Do we have any more details? It's one of the bizarre things about hockey. Major player, major part of the story, out at the last minute. What? Upper body injury. So, you know, shut up and don't say anything else. They told you that today. Told you that last night, in fact. Upper body injury on Chandler Stevenson. Do we know about it at morning skate? No, we didn't know about it. Did we know about it an hour before the game? No, we didn't know about it. And if I'm just driving down to T-Mobile to check out the game, whatever, you know. I mean, I, I don't find, if I go to watch a show and there's an understudy filling in for the lead actor, I don't know till I get there. But I also don't gamble on plays. Yeah. I gamble on sports. And you don't gamble on plays? I, I, no, I, I never gamble on will it be the understudy or <laughs> right. will it be the lead actor today? Will right. someone flub a line plus 500? You right. know, like, no, it's, it's not really the way that I go. But when it comes to betting on sports, this is information that, especially as the leagues get deeper tied in with sports books, as they're taking money from sports books, they have to understand that the perception is that they have a relationship with that sports book. And when you start doing things like a player who everybody thought was healthy suddenly shows up in the line rushes before the game just out and we're trying to piece things together, there is perception that needs to be addressed and it needs to be addressed in a better way than after the game someone asks the coach and he draws a line at the waist and says the injury was up here or down there. Wow. All right, rubbing salt in the wound. Um, Wasn't Montreal worse with Petrie? He wasn't in the line rushes of the... Lineups, or I guess the notes were handed out to the media. He's still not mentioned, and two minutes before the game, he's out there? Well, if people would just keep in touch with Cofield and company, listen to us on the yeah. way into the game, yep. they would have known. I Steve did, Cofield I, broke the story it, in not, French. Yes. In French. It's not my fault you people don't understand French, especially my dialect. Steve Cofield. Yes. Steve Cofield. Steve Coiffield broke the story that the Petrie family was there and that the Petrie family was there not to see their man sit on the bench. Yes. Oh, no, no, no. They're there to see him play, and you told everybody in French. I did. So that is the kind of investigative journalism that you get on Coffield and company. Let's get it straight, first of all. Uh, when it comes to hockey, trust in Etienne, because that is my French name. Let's get it correct. That is one thing I do remember from uh, French one and a half that I took for five years. But uh, – it's still weird, man. It's still weird. Uh, the Canadians kind of snuck him onto the ice at the very last minute. I'm sure a lot of people out there are like, hey, what does it matter? Um, 
I think it does. I know. I I actually I took the flyer, Candy. As soon as I saw Petrie playing, and you know, knowing that Stevenson was out, I'm like, I'm going Canadians. Now it worked out. That'll work out. It'll be a 50-50. Uh, you know, one player one way or the other doesn't make that much of a difference, or does it? We can examine that. We'll talk to uh, Darren Dreger, one of the insiders for uh, TSN, in just a couple minutes, and get his take on the injury stuff and also what exactly is wrong with the Golden Knights in the first period. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. From the draw, puck to the right, Petrangelo scores! It's a one-goal game! Two markers for Petrangelo! 5.14 to go in the third. Another goal right off the faceoff. And the Knights are within striking distance. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s with Cofield and Company. Well, that's good to see Alex Petrangelo heating up. He had a big night. Could add a third goal. Martinez snubbed by Carey Price. And really, a lot of the, the game story comes down to what's happening to the Golden Knights in the first period. Dan Dreger. Knows the NHL as well as anyone. We want his take on the series and some stories around the National Hockey League. He joins Cofield and Company here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? We're good. We're good. Well, it'd be nice. Uh, it'd be nice to be up to nothing instead of a one-one series. But uh, I want your take as the uh, the hockey expert of what you're seeing from the Knights <laughs> in the first period. Um, well, there's need for improvement. I don't think there's any question about that. But I would call it far from. Uh, an urgent situation. Let's see how the next game goes and see what sort of bounce back that you get from the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, we, we can see how deep this team is. We know where their talent is. We know how uh, good they are overall, both offensively and defensively. Yet, you know, there's sometimes a, a feeling out process. And I know that that sounds like an excuse, right? And that's probably an excuse that would be better served throwing at, you know, the Montreal Canadiens and, and their faithful and their fan base. But the best-case scenario for the Montreal Canadiens was to earn a split on the road. And they did it by coming out strong in both games. Now, the conclusion of Game 1 was more lopsided than what Montreal was hoping and could have been a lot more lopsided if not for Carey Price. But they started strong in Game 1. They started strong in Game 2. And the difference is Montreal can be formidable when they get an early lead. I mean, any team that's played the Montreal Canadiens, you ask the Winnipeg Jets or the Toronto Maple Leafs or, you know, even through the regular season where the uh, Montreal Canadiens struggled with consistency, what they were noted for was having good, strong defensive structure. And if they got a lead, especially early, they would try their level best to protect that lead. And I think we've, we've seen that from Montreal, but that's Montreal. And what we know is that the Vegas Golden Knights can and are likely going to be better right from the drop of the puck. They need that. And, it would be best served if they were to do that in Game 3, just kind of establish their presence in a new building. Darren, I think we saw it especially throughout the Colorado series of the adjustments that were being made game to game by the coaching staffs and how the teams attacked each other. So what would you anticipate seeing from both of these teams in terms of adjustments for Game 3? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. You know, I, I think you, what you get is, is what we've seen from the Montreal Canadiens. I, honestly, I don't think there's a whole lot of secret there. Uh, you're going to get elite-level goaltending. As long as they can remain healthy and they get, you know, beat Jeff Petrie back in the lineup for Game 2, and that's a big boost, then 
you know what you're going to get from their blue line. And then up front, it's a bit of a mix mash of, of anything, right? You've got the young talent of Caulfield and Suzuki, and they seem to have great chemistry with, uh, with Tyler Toffoli, who's a proven scorer in the National Hockey. Not much is going to change from Montreal's perspective. So there needs to be more push from the Vegas Golden Knights. And to a man, I think that every player there would say they have more to give. I mean, I, I look at uh, the scoring line and I see the, the struggles of Mark Stone, and I am one of Mark Stone's biggest believers and strongest fans just because – you know, I go back to uh, his early days with the Ottawa Senators, and he doesn't need to prove anything more to me or himself or to any fan in the National Hockey League, but he knows that he has more to give. And Max Pacioretty has been snake-bitten a little bit through two games here, right? He's had his looks. He's had his chances. He hasn't been able to capitalize. I don't think that the Montreal Canadiens are going to have success throughout whatever length of this series. Is it six, is it seven games, whatever it is? I don't think Montreal is going to have complete success in keeping those two guys off the score sheet. I, I just don't think that they're, they're going to be able to do that. So I go back to what I said earlier, and if those two guys, one of those two or both would be better, if that line can contribute and lead to uh, a series advancing win or at least an edge in the series, then I think that's going to bode well. But, I mean, we're stating the obvious here, right? Every team in the Final Four needs their best players to perform, not just be their best, but to deliver in a time of need. And that's what Vegas needs. No different than Montreal or Tampa Bay or the New York Islanders, for that matter. Darren Drager, Hockey Insider, joining us here on Cofield and Company. This will be a momentous game in uh, in Toronto, actually in Montreal for a number of reasons. Uh, this will be the first time that we've seen a team from the United States making the trip up to Canada. Yeah, and we talked yeah. on the show about the fact that there are variables to be introduced here, right? Uh, this is yeah. a new situation. What do you expect the uh, the situation to be for the Golden Knights in Montreal? And then, yeah. of course, uh, 4,000 or so people in the building in Bell Center. Well, look, I mean, everything is going to be fairly normal when they drop the puck. Other than, of course, you don't have a capacity crowd. Far from it, you know. When you have a full building in Montreal, honestly, with all due respect to everything that is great in Vegas, and it's just an entertainment full-dollar value. So I concede in that sense. But the history of the Montreal Canadiens, how they handle the celebration of their pregame, postgame, all of that, from, again, a historical basis, no one does it better in the NHL. But they don't have that environment because of the restrictions and protocols that still are in place here in Canada. But when they drop the puck, then it's, it's a game. And as much as you want to be able to feed off your crowd, and that's real, um, you know, there's still a game that has to be played. Not only that's going to be much different for either squad, but the restrictions and the protocols that the Golden Knights are going to have to observe are going to be different than what they're used to. I mean, that's just common sense. They're, they're going to get on that plane. Maybe they're already there. I don't know. Um, you know, off the plane, onto a bus, from the bus to the hotel, you do not leave your hotel, you're not going out for dinner, all of that. You are in a pretty restrictive environment. You go to the rink, you play the game, you go back to your hotel. And that's the life that you know, the Vegas Golden Knights are going to have to live. Anyone associated with a National Hockey League, and I'm not talking media here, I'm talking about uh, NHL brass. I mean, if, if Commissioner Gary Bettman wants to go to the Montreal 
to, to the Bell Centre in Montreal to watch Game 3 or watch Game 4, he has to observe the same protocols of, as the players. He's not going out for dinner. So whether that matters or not, I'm not so sure it does. It, it might in the regular season. These guys are so invested. They're so dialed in as athletes that they're, they're looking at this as a, a two-game road swing where they just got to buckle down for a few days and focus on what their task is, get the job done, and then go back to Vegas and try and close it out. So even though the restrictions seem extreme based on what they're accustomed to, uh, I don't think it's going to have that much of a bearing on the series. Well, Darren, we'll we'll try to get over the deep hurt of you saying that there's a deeper Montreal hockey tradition than there is here in Vegas. Um, we, we do Such have an three insult. and a half years of history here. Goodness gracious. Uh, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so we are always curious about the perspective around the rest of the league, not only about this Vegas environment, but toward this Vegas team as well. We see plenty of it on social yeah. media about, you know, the long suffering of the Vegas fan uh, who've been to the semifinals three times <laughs> in four years as we ready for another expansion draft uh, in the NHL. Can you kind of explain to us, you know, what that sentiment is league wide about Vegas and the quick success that they've had? Well, look, when you pay the amount of money that uh, Mr. Foley had to pay to acquire the, 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 the franchise rights to Vegas, um, you better be able to put a very competitive team on the ice from, from day one. In, in saying that, nobody expected the success level of the Golden Knights to this point. Um, but I think it's a combination of things here, right? It is having the opportunity to pick from all the other clubs, um, the shrewdness of George McPhee and then Kelly McCrimmon of managing that process and, you know, uh, making the, the appropriate deals, starting with Mark Andre Fleury as an example, and then building around that core of players. That, that you accumulated. So I can't imagine the Seattle Kraken haven't looked at the template of the Vegas Golden Knights a thousand times to this point, bracing for our next expansion draft. But you do have to give credit to Kelly and to George and the work that's been done since, right? There's been so many changes yep. within that Vegas Golden Knights organization. I don't have to tell you guys that, but I always love the general manager who just, wants to throw it out there, do whatever is necessary to make his club better. And there's evidence of that every single season with McCrimmon, McPhee, and the Golden Knights. And then, of course, most recently, it was um, Alex Petrangelo and how much better he's made the Vegas Golden Knights. So if you're Ron Francis and the Seattle Kraken and you're trying to follow that roadmap, good luck. Good luck. Because this level of success... I mean, we've never experienced it from an expansion process, but I'm, I'm hesitant to say this is what expansion is all about. I know that there's a considerable amount of investment that's paid in the expansion right, but once you acquire the team, once you go through the first expansion draft, then it's all on management and coaching and, and developing that winning environment. And Vegas has done that incredibly well. So it's a tough act to follow if you're Francis and the uh, Seattle Kraken. Well, and a lot of it starts with Foley and how competitive he is, and that's why he's a billionaire. Oh, yeah. You know, the one thing we didn't mention is uh, yeah. the bold move, and, and people got really pissed off here with the fact that, hey, McPhee looked at his squad, and he's like, yeah, we went to the Stanley yeah. Cup final the first year. I like Gerard Gallant, but he ain't my guy, so we're moving on him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Who, who, who yeah. does that? I mean, it's, 
It's a tough one because Gerard Gallant is a good coach. And, you know, look, everybody associated with management and ownership in Vegas would say the same thing. He's a good coach. Here's what I always say, guys. You know, when, when teams fire coaches, well, that's fine. We in the media can speculate on who's on a hot seat here or there. But I always say the same thing. If you're fine firing your coach, you better make sure that you believe you're getting someone better. And, look, I don't know that Pete DeBoer is better than Gerard Gallant. Um, Kelly McCremmon, George McPhee, and Bill Foley believed at the time they made the decision that Pete DeBoer was better than Gerard Gallant. That's, that's how tough the business is. Gallant's fine. He's coaching the New York Rangers as of next season. He just won a gold medal with Team Canada at the, at the Men's World. It is a hard cutthroat industry. But I've got all the time in the world for the decisions that ownership and management make when they believe that they're doing it with the best interest of the club. They're not taking the lazy way out. They're not saying, okay, well, the fan base is clamoring. We've had a disappointing year. We need to do something. No, 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 no. They, they recognize that Pete DeBoer was available. They believed that Pete DeBoer was the coach that was going to take him to the next level, and that's you know directly winning the Stanley Cup championship, and they made a difficult, difficult decision. Um, not every club would do that. In fact, I would say the majority of NHL teams wouldn't have the you-know-whats to do that. So credit to Vegas for getting that done. And they brought in a guy that the fans considered an enemy. So it it ruffled even more. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, crazy. Darren, that was awesome, man. We know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for your time. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. There he is. One of the insiders from uh, TSN, Darren Dreger, as he joins Cofield and Company here on this Thursday. Next game up, of course, is tomorrow as the Knights in Montreal, now in a 1-1 series we flip the page time to get to some nba in about 15 minutes we're going to talk to uh, genie zelasco who uh is covering the clippers she's part of the clippers broadcast uh, but we got to get to uh, what's happened the last couple of days uh, topsy-turvy times when it comes to gaining any track in winning the nba title the phone lines are open. Join the conversation on Cofield and Company now by calling 702-364-1100 or tweet us at Cofield and Co. Joey is up. I, I asked about your last name, and I think Ari botched it. Go ahead. Give it to us. Alfieri. 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 Yeah. No, you said, Ari, don't celebrate. You said Al Fury. <laughs> you said Al Fury during the break. Al Fury. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. The daily battle between the two energy vampires on Cofield and Company. By the way, no audio manipulation on that one to make it sound more like Al Fury. Al Fury. Oh, it's not my fault. The uh, Italian guy doesn't know how to pronounce his name. We should have started yelling at him and gone with the uh, the Fietti, as Guy did with a uh, barstool dude when he undressed him for not being able to say it the right way. I'll tell you what, uh, the the person I like the most on this show, it's not you, Steve Cofield. It's Cocky Ari. Cocky know, Ari right? is by far, by far the best member of this show. You should have seen me yesterday. I did this yesterday. It was just natural. It was. I was like, and then uh, Demon, our coworker, walked by. I was like, "Come here, listen to this. Tell me I'm wrong." It's great. Yeah, you've unleashed cocky Ari. Good. Ex- that's what we needed. We we've, we've we've beaten down on you for two years. <laughs> now comes the breakthrough. I I uh, I texted Ari in response to his guest booking today. I was like, "Hell of a job. 
I almost said, be proud of yourself, but I didn't go that far. I just sent him a guy. I just sent him the emoji with the the laughing guy and the cowboy hat. Whatever that means, I have no idea. I just figured it was positive. That's a Steve. That's Steve emoji. That means you did good for Steve. Although I was told it's overused and the kids aren't using it anymore, so now I'm just an old stiff again. Nah, we're good. We're we're reinventing it. The emoji for, t- for today for this hour. <laughs> it's an hour by hour process on Cofield and Company. I'm in a good mood because I like what I saw last night. I like what unfolded. I don't know why. Well, I kind of do. PG-13 gets so much hate. The Clippers curse curse seemed to be on again, Candy. And they bucked the trend. They got it done. And Paul George was awesome. I really do worry for Clippers fans that this is just (laughs) setting up an even bigger fall. But... Until that time, until that time, then you absolutely have to celebrate it. Look, Paul George gets what he gets because he falls into the category of NBA superstar that people love to hate if you force your way out of your situation. If you ditch your team to go to a super team, this is what comes with it. There's no way around it. This is the way people are going to feel about you. You forced your way out of Oklahoma City. The Clippers gave up heaven and earth to get you from Oklahoma City to come to L.A. Okay, great. But here's the flip side of that. When Paul George goes out and does what he did last night, everybody better shut up. Because the whole idea is Paul George went out there with no Kawhi Leonard. There was no super team. Unless you think your super team has Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson on it. There was no super team for Paul George last night. He carried his team to a win that nobody thought they were going to get on the road. And it's the same thing that we've said about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant did the exact same thing for the Brooklyn Nets. No super team, no real Harden, no Kyrie. Kevin Durant, the guy who has always had to go to someone else to help him get the job done. Well, no, he did the job, so you know what? We all need to back off in that case, and we all need to back off Paul George, at least for one night. I'm glad you mentioned Morris. I'm not generally a Morai twin guy, but Marcus Morris the last two games, because a lot of times you watch him, you're like, oh, God. Not from three. No, okay, good job. Uh, 48 points last two games, eight of ten on threes. He doesn't do that. They're not in this position. Uh, And the other guy, and I saw Kendrick Perkins shouting about this one. You know, Ty Lue gets beat up a lot. That's a hell of a job last night. That team could have quit on that game. Could have quit before they even went out onto the floor. That's a tough environment in Utah. They're going against a full squad. But, you know, we saw something out of the Clippers that I thought was really interesting, and it's just the one play. You don't want to make too much out of one play. But that Terrence Mann jam on Rudy Gobert kind of typified the whole attitude for the Clippers last night. They weren't afraid of the environment. There was nothing about going up there and playing in Utah that intimidated that team. And if you're willing to take it right at Rudy Gobert like that, you ain't scared. We're at Silver Sevens. We're hanging out at one end of the property of the Corona Cantina. The other side, you got the Silver and Gold Bar and uh, the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. You got some big games tonight in the NBA and the NHL. Islanders and Lightning are coming up in just a little bit. Shortly after uh, 5 o'clock, also in the, the uh, 5 o'clock hour, you got the uh, Bucks and the Nets going at it. Happy hour's begun, 277 
on uh, beers, well drinks, margaritas, shots. So take advantage of that. Free parking. It's at the corner of Flamingo and Paradise. It's Silver 7. So over at the book right now, give me your read on this one. Because I like the bet series because I'm a hack. Clippers lead this 3-2. Clippers minus 165 to win the series. Jazz plus 145. Does that number seem off to you? So if you think about it, the Clippers are going to go home, and what are we looking at here for game six? What what's what, what line do we have up for game six right now? Let me get it for you. Because I'm thinking, well, we talk about these series prices, and especially when we're down to two games, you have to think yeah. about it in terms of what would you be betting money line both games. Yep. Jazz two, uh, money line uh, minus 130, clips back at plus 110. Yeah, so you're basically looking at parlaying, right? If you're betting this minus one sixty five, why wouldn't you why wouldn't yeah. you bet the Clippers so just go on the game, money line? Game to game? Well yeah, well certainly you think, all right, so you're thinking about betting the Clippers to win the series, or right? Certainly tomorrow Clippers night. minus one sixty five and right. they're a dog at home in game six when they can close the series out? Right. And okay. they and if and if they lose that game, they're gonna be an even bigger dog back up in Utah. So you're going to get a plus price on them in both games. So no no sense in laying the price. Wouldn't be my first choice. There you go. Adam Candy on sports gambling. Uh, did you I, – I asked you earlier. I don't know if I got an answer. Did you get involved on the Golden Knights game at all? No, I passed on it. And largely because I wanted to see what they looked like minus Chandler Stevenson because even though Chandler Stevenson might have been an expendable part in the eyes of Washington – there's something about his speed that changes the game for the Golden Knights, and yep. now you're changing three different lines for them. Look, Nick Waugh played a fine game, but the the results are what they are. The Golden Knights forwards didn't score last night. Yeah, two nights ago I got bombed on my uh, my my Bucks bet with Harden coming back when the Bucks steamed down to minus one. Oops, that didn't work out. Nets win the game. So yesterday, like I said, uh, as soon as I saw Petrie, and I'm like, all right, I, I gotta, I gotta put some money down to the Canadians. There's something weird going on here. No Stevenson, last minute. So I have the Canadians plus two thirty-five. I'm driving home, and there's like seven minutes left, and I'm like, you know, I better back this up, just in case the Knights go freaking hog wild down the stretch. And of course, I pulled over to be safe. You know, I'm not gonna bet on the road, and uh, I got the Knights at twelve to one. And then the goal, the second Petrangelo goal comes comes down like a minute and a half later. I'm like, okay, all right, I feel okay about this. Twelve to one on that team, down three one with seven minutes left. Here's the thing, that algorithm does not take into account what was actually happening in that game. That's why you got to have eyes on the game because Montreal had basically said we do not care about scoring. We're not even gonna take a shot on net we're going to get the puck over center ice dump it and run back into our end so the golden knights were going to have chances and they obviously did all right let's find out what the clippers going back to uh, the nba can do from here can they close it out was that just hey let's rally around the Kawhi injury are they going to fall flat in the next game we'll talk to a nba expert she's great on baseball as well one of our favorites genie's alasco Golden Knights games and 77-cent Bud Light bottles? Silver 7's Hotel and Casino has you hooked up. 
you know, it was no secret. Um, I knew I had to be big tonight and got to be big going forward. It was just no secret coming into this. You know, I just first put faith in God, believed in myself. My teammates trusted me. T. Lou trusted me. And, you know, I thought we just, we, we lived in a moment and we, we just played our hearts out tonight. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. Very likable. Paul George, I don't, there seems to be a debate about that. I'm not sure why, but he did it. He did it. Clippers are a freaking great story here. Written off. Looked like the Clipper curse was in place again, and they got the job done last night, so they stay alive, and now they have a chance to uh, close out the Jazz tomorrow. Genius Alasco covers the Clippers. She covers everything in sports, and she gives Cofield and company here in Vegas a couple of minutes. Jeannie, how are you? Hey, how are you? We're good. This is I'm stoked about the story. I love what I saw from the Clippers last night. That's resilience. You know, it's funny. The the mantra going into the postseason is playoffs our way and hanging around Clipper Nation as long as I have. Uh, that means anything is possible. And with this roster, you knew they were deep enough to do anything. But you also kind of keep your seatbelt on and the trade table in the upright position because this could run seven. You know what I mean? We saw what happened in the, the Dallas series. I guess Clipper Nation just always has confidence because the depth of the talent there. And just the guys that, you know, um, outside of the L.A. area, outside of the Western Conference, they're the unknowns. You know, you hear the national conversations about, well, who's this Terrence kid? You know, Reggie Jackson, he's just turned it on. Well, no, actually, <laughs> you know, he's turned it on all season. But that's cool. You know, uh, it's just a lot of confidence in this team. Gee, it almost seems like this Clippers team is kind of emblematic of what the entire NBA postseason has been, right? I mean, there are ups and downs and injuries and resilience and fighting back and teams that kind of have been counted out that seem to find uh, another gear. Uh, what's the feeling right now coming home for the Clippers getting uh, ready for game six? Hi, Lou has changed this culture, taken away the panic button. There is none. You know, when they went down to 2 to Dallas, and he would sit in front of the media and say, you know, you got to win four games. you got to win four games. So they go into Dallas, they win two, and you're kind of like, yeah, okay, but now we got to go home, and, and the road team's winning everything in this series. He just has this calm about him. He's so methodical. He's a great chess player. You believe there are there's just more tools in the box and more plays that he's yet to just unfurl. And I think he just instills this calm and this confidence, and that's what you're feeling from the team. So, of course, tomorrow looks like a great opportunity. Let's close this baby out, you know, especially if you'd like to get this Western Conference final starting going into the weekend we might be catching phoenix down a little bit right because uh, unfortunately what's going on with chris paul but it just doesn't matter what'll play out will play out genie zelasco is with us you know you just mentioned the panic button do you think the panic button was hit often when doc was around well i wouldn't pin it on doc but i would just say Ty Lu just has a completely different center about him right. um, with regards to – because it, Doc Rivers is an incredible coach. I never saw Doc panic. Um, I just think there's a different vibe with Ty Lue, and he's got a lot of guys around him. Chauncey Billups does not panic. 
you know, if, if, if Ty Lue and Chauncey Billups were on the Titanic, more people would have survived. You know, they, they would have carefully got off, found other boats, created other ways to get, keep things going. You know, it's just there's just a different vibe about the entire coaching staff. So it's not a knock on who was there. It's more an elevation on, on the new crowd. Tell I mean, us are we say, hold on, Cofield, yeah, are, we yeah, yeah. That, uh, are we saying that Leonardo would have survived? <laughs> well, you know, we would have had to save him, yes. Oh, exactly. <laughs> there you go. I was going to ask, tell us what Paul George is like, and, and give me your take on why so many people like to bust on him. You know, um, I think it's just unfortunate when you have a guy, a public figure, who comes out and says, you know, mentally I was struggling. If this is any other industry, you might rally around him, right, and say, man, let's help him out. That was cool. I appreciate your honesty. In sports, we don't like our heroes to admit any type of weakness. You know, I, I think even prior to what happened in the bubble and him admitting, you know, I'm really struggling here, people just decided that playoff P comes out and says, hey, you haven't seen anything yet. And because he doesn't perform, they dogpile him. He's a really cool dude. He, he was from the Southern California community, uh, the Palmdale area that just rallied around him. It's really a hardworking community, roll up the sleeves. Um, not so much a lunchbox crowd, but you know what I mean. They're, it's a hardworking community. So I think people have just decided, because PG will just come out and just lay it out there, and if it doesn't perform, they're ready to dogpile him for it. I, I think he also, out on the court, you know, you'll see him be a little bit more demonstrative. If he drives in the paint to get a foul, or if he drives in the paint to score. You know, it's part of his artistry. I don't know, but I think it's it's easy to kind of dogpile someone who's on it. I wanted to get your opinion on what you see in media sometimes, especially when it comes to the NBA. Listen, we do sports talk radio, so we, we bust chops. We get on players. Try not to go too far over the line. You try not to make it personal. And, we, you know, we're just talking about Paul George and how sometimes you see people make it personal. I saw that you uh, retweeted some kind of comment from someone on ESPN LA suggesting – I'm guessing, you know, they'll say, hey, I was joking, but suggesting that, hey, karma struck Kawhi Leonard and especially the Clippers by Kawhi going down, and it's like, the guy might have a torn ACL. Like, isn't that too much? You know, across the board, I think it's, it's too much. I mean, I even, like, I'm tiptoeing around the fact that it's kind of, it'd be kind of cool to close out this series because then you kind of get Phoenix when they're down. Uh, Chris Paul is phenomenal. I'm so excited for what's happened in that community, for that team, uh, Devin Booker getting the eyeballs he deserves. So I don't want to see Chris Paul hurt. You know, I think that the jury's out on kind of what's going on with Kawhi. They used the word sprain, SP. We didn't see an SP. I know this medical staff with the Clippers, they err beyond on the side of caution. Uh, they caretake these guys in, in a way that is sometimes frustrating. Like, we've seen frustration uh, almost from Ty Lue where he'll come to a pregame presser and we ask for his lineup and he's like, I got to check because they're really managing these guys. But I think we've entered that arena where, you know, these are professional athletes. We want them to hit on all cylinders. I, you know, I, I, I think the medical staff has to do what they have to do. But when you start to dogpile somebody and you're almost excited that they're injured, I think we've crossed the line. 
No, without question. Without question, uh, when we're talking about injured players for certain. And Jeannie, shifting gears ever so slightly here, we know you've uh, spent plenty of years covering baseball as well and seeing postseason coverage on Fox. What do you make of what's been happening with Major League Baseball this season? Um, So much discussion around the rules that are shifting for pitchers and, you know, what that is, uh, what that's doing to the game. What do you make of what's gone on this year? Well, I think I love that sport. I covered it for a very long time. Um, I think they're trying to find some of their relevance again. Um, I think they're trying to not reinvent the sport, but come up with ways to make it cool again. From the point where you sit back and you watch the NBA and the trajectory of the NBA and how they've just been able to grab the young audience. I remember having a conversation with Bud Steelig in like an all-star game, and we're talking about, you know, these kids today, are they playing the sport? Are they watching the sport? Are they more involved with video games? You know, um, I have two kids, and they're actually more into basketball, and they're more into the NFL than they are into baseball, and it breaks my heart because it's it's just a different sport for them. Um, So when I look at Major League Baseball, I think they're, they're really, I wouldn't call it at a crossroads, but I think they, they do have to kind of decide where they're going to fall on this because it is, it is really an old school, these are the rules, this is how it's played kind of sport, and the traditionalists are going to get pretty angry when you start tweaking with things. But I think they have to be able to keep up with this next generation coming up. Do they want to go to baseball games? Do they love the sport to the point where they can – they can keep it alive. They can keep the dollars pouring in. Jeannie, that was excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. There she is, Jeannie Zalasco. I love that conversation at the end, Candy. One, when you pit baseball against the NBA, it's funny. You hear so many people talk about how the NBA was better in the past. I don't like the players today. Like, there are tons of opinions on social media on the NBA, and good or bad, their opinions. People pay attention. I, I think I, I feel like on Twitter, as an example, and maybe it's just the people I follow, and I don't follow and, and enough people. With, this is bullcrap, but I'm just making a suggestion. Maybe I don't follow enough people in the baseball demo who you know, 55 plus. I guess there doesn't seem to be a tenth of the chatter, and I know it's the playoffs right now. But baseball against the NBA is such an unfair fight. And it's baseball that put itself in this position. Because baseball has a lot of the things that the NBA has. Because the NBA, so much of this is personality-driven, right? Baseball could, could do the same thing. But it's the failings of not embracing the players and marketing them at a proper level. And I really think it's that at the core of baseball, Candy, the problem is They've had, oh, I don't know, you know, since free agency began, baseball's had some 50 years of basically warring at different times with their players and trying to denigrate them when it comes to paying them. And they can't get, they can't get out of that freaking vicious cycle and then turn around and go, hey, these are great athletes, this is fun. I don't know what they're going to do because they're getting blown away by the NBA in terms of interest amongst kids and on social media. It's not even close. 
I mean, you talked about the TV ratings not that long ago that the NBA is doing, and we're not even talking about the finals. We're not even talking about a year with LeBron. We're not talking about this being a great NBA year. And ultimately, Major League Baseball finds itself in a position that the NBA has not seen in a very long time. Major League Baseball hates itself. Major League Baseball absolutely hates itself. They hate the players, hate the owners, the owners hate the players. <laughs> this sport hates itself and treats itself that way. And it can't get out of its own way. We spend so much time talking about the changes in the rules and this. When is the last time we talked about an NBA rule change? When's the last time we talked about NBA owners versus NBA players? It's been a long, long time if you're just going to compare those two sports. And so when Jeannie says that her two kids are more into basketball than baseball, this is my shocked face. With 77-cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino.